the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Traps, play action, survey, flips it across the middle, back of the end zone, touchdown to Grimes. And the first time Rhodes Sarter looked cool on that drive, didn't he? And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. We are counting down the top 25 teams in the CBS Sports 2020 preseason rankings with all of the authors of those previews. It is the Hurry Up Hot Seat, and we are very, very excited to call to the hot seat Mr. Barrett Salee. Barrett, today we're going to be discussing the Florida Gators and the question that is burning on the mind of uh, every every Gator diehard is that after back-to-back New Year's Six Bowl wins, back-to-back double-digit win seasons, has the gap with Georgia been closed so that Florida can jump ahead of their rival Bulldogs in 2020? I think they can. I think it has. You know, you look at what Dan Mullen's done offensively. Uh, he's got a quarterback that had the best season in Florida history or in, in Florida since 2009 in uh, Tim Tebow, the best quarterback in, in program history. Uh, they've got, I think, an identity defensively that that fits them well. And I think George is kind of regressing a little bit, you know. So, uh, yeah, I think this year is is kind of the year and this is kind of the schedule anyway, like going according to Dan Mullen's schedule when he was hired. Year three is probably the realistic year in which they should contend for the SEC East Championship realistically. And and I think they, they have that shot this year. So if they're going to do it then, did you say best quarterback since Tim Tebow? Best season last year since Tim Tebow. Oh, best Kyle season. Trask. Okay, all right. Well, let's go to the quarterback because Kyle Trask is, is highly regarded by the Florida faithful. He had a good year last year, uh, breakout season, first year starting since like eighth grade or whatever it is. And he's now got a kind of a new fleet of receivers. And so second year of the Kyle Trask regime, trying to break through, is the offense going to look the same? Is the offense going to look different? Is the offense going to look better? Is it going to look worse? And how is it? how has it all come together with Trask at the helm? Yeah, I think that's the biggest question is, is what do the wide receivers look like when you lose Jefferson Swain in Cleveland? That's that's problematic. But Trevon Grimes has been awesome for them. Uh, they've got Kadarius Tony. They can use in a variety of different ways. Uh, so he'll help. And and so I think, yeah, the, the offense is going to look um, probably very similar to what you've seen in the past. Uh, Dan has done a really good job, I think, of working around uh, the deficiencies. I think last year that was running back. Uh, Michael P. Ryan was all right, but I think that they struggled there. I think this year it's probably going to be the wide receivers. Uh, you know, so yeah, I think, um, Dan's done such a good job with quarterbacks that, you know, he can find a way to make it work. I think Kyle, like you said, you know, he hadn't started uh, at, at any major level. And even though this is kind of a wonky off season to, to have, you know, an off season in which he's the unquestioned number one quarterback, 
I, you know, I, I think that's got to help him, especially after what he did last year on the fly uh, when Felipe Franks got hurt. I mean, I, I just think that he might be this year's version. Not necessarily say he's going to uh, win a national championship uh, or win the Heisman. Are you going to say it? He might be Joe Burrow. Uh, <laughs> he might be. Hold on. You're telling me that Kyle Trask. Okay, right, well, let's, let's back up just a little bit because how much of it is – Kyle Trask, how much of it is your confidence in Trevon Grimes or a Kyle Pitts or, um, you know, how much of it is the players on the field for Florida, especially on offense? And how much of this is like Dan Mullen fairy dust? Because I, I really think that what we are doing is we are assuming because of the success that he has had as a head coach uh, at Mississippi State, because of the success that we have seen with Florida rosters that, you know, compared to some of their rivals in the SEC is a little bit, in my opinion, a tier down in talent. He's been trying to up that talent level. And we, we talked about it at the beginning, at least uh, with the mentioning of closing the gap. Like we are at CBS sports. We consider Dan Mullen to be a top 10 coach in college football. I, I fear that we are giving him too much uh, value and not looking at what might be personnel deficiencies compared to the best teams in the country. No doubt. There, there are personnel deficiencies. And, and see, that's why I was hesitant to call him Joe Burrow, because Joe Burrow's uh, supporting cast was better. Joe Burrow's a better quarterback. And obviously, um, you know, he, he, he accomplished things that I don't think Kyle Trask could do. So I, because of that, I think, yeah, a lot of it's it's Dan Mullen uh, pixie dust. It's Dan Mullen's, you know, genius that can can make this offense click. And and so you're right. I, I think the idea of of Florida having the kind of talent to win a national championship or get to the college football playoff, probably not there yet. Although, you know, playoff. Okay. Maybe if a lot of things break their way, but um, you know, it's, we talked about this when McIlwain got fired, the strength and conditioning was bad. The, the player development was bad. The recruiting was not good. So, you know, he, he had a little bit bigger of a uh, hill to climb than I think a lot of folks realize. And, you know, you just sort of saw that that Florida logo on on the helmet and thought, oh, OK, they're ultra talented. There really weren't. So, you know, yeah, I think that that there's still a problem there. Uh, and and that is going to be what prevents them from taking advantage of this window, not just in the east, but in the west also and making the college football playoff this year because the window's open. But from a talent perspective, I don't necessarily know if Florida has enough to walk through it, although it wouldn't be the most shocking thing in the world. So then, I mean, sounds like you've got some, whether it's Mullen, whether it's uh Kyle Burrow, whether it's uh, <laughs> Kyle, Kyle Pitts, whatever it is, sounds like you've got some confidence in the offense. Can, can like, where is our confidence level in the defense? They lost some pretty good players. What, what's, you know, how, how confident can we be in this being a, a dominant Florida unit? That's the big problem is what's the offense going to have to do because the defense probably won't be as lights out. Uh, you know, you're going to rely. They're going to have to rely on some guys who, you know, maybe aren't the most uh, established. Brenton Cox for the Georgia transfer. He's an edge guy. He had a pretty good year two years ago at Georgia. Uh, can can he sort of take that next step after a year sitting out because of the transfer year? He's probably going to have to. And I think that speaks to 
you know, just where Florida is, that you're going to rely on a guy who hasn't really played to be probably your number one pass rusher, and you probably don't have a ton of depth behind him. So uh, there's that. I think in the back end, we saw what Ventrell Miller is, obviously the leading tackler from last year. Marco Wilson has done this before. Um, You know, you're talking about year two from that injury, but they don't necessarily have, um, you know, a ton of help, and they don't have a ton of experience depth. And I think, you know, and we've talked about this on on Cover 3 before. If you don't have a ton of experience, this might be not be the season for you because roster holes and experience or lack thereof might be more important since we really haven't had a normal offseason. You had to dig into the schedule as part of your breakdown of Florida in your top 25 countdown. When you're, when you're going through it, where do you see um, – look – a lot is going to hinge on the George. So let's say non Jacksonville division <laughs> or wherever that game's played, who knows uh, non Jacksonville division. What do you think the Florida schedule sets up like? I think it sets up for a run uh, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, they ease into the, to the, to the season. I know Kentucky in week two, Kentucky fans like to think that's going to be tough. I don't necessarily think it will be. Um, I think South uh, the, the Tennessee game in week four at Neyland Stadium is a little sketchy because, like I just said, experience might be more uh, a bigger deal this year than in years past, and Tennessee's got it, and it's at home, and it's early in the season. So that might be a, a little trip-up game. Uh, I think the biggest thing that sets Florida's schedule apart from, from Georgia's is the cross-division game. They've got Ole Miss. That's not that scary. I love Lane Kiffin. Not that scary, especially when you compare it to Georgia's cross-division game at Alabama in Week 3. So uh, th- those two at Tennessee uh, and at Ole Miss, I think, are the two most important games for completely different reasons. For Tennessee, uh, it's a, ch- a chance for Florida to sort of to prove that they have you know, sort of solved their problems. And because they play Ole Miss, it's, I would say, a gimme game. And, and I think that could go a long way in the SEC East. It'll be interesting to see how they deal with that uh you know, the field conditions, considering Governor Ron DeSantis has offered up the swamp to every professional <laughs> football team in the country. Uh, but that aside... The Gainesville 49ers. How about that? That's right. That's right. Draw more so, than they do at Levi Stadium. <laughs> so th- this is this season. I'm going to... I want to kind of... I want to circle back. It all comes full circle here. Because we can talk about it. We can, we can sort of break down Florida all we want, but the bottom line is, because this schedule is pretty manageable. LSU might be down. Like you, like you mentioned, it. I mean, this is, this is a pretty manageable schedule. I'm looking at a lot of games they could win. So it all really comes back to, to Georgia. And so if we're sitting here today and, you know, you got to make your, your pick, I mean, who, who's the better football team going into this season? Florida. I think Florida is. And, wow. and I and Georgia might Georgia might have higher upside, right? Like Georgia might have higher upside, but if you're gonna in this specific year, with all of these sort of questions all around the SEC, I'll take the established quarterback, especially uh, with a with his first full off season as a starting, even though it's starting quarterback, even though it's a strange off season with an offensive guru over a Georgia team that has three offensive line spots to fill. Uh, lo- uh, lost DeAndre Swift, still doesn't have a receiver outside of George Pickens, and has Jamie Newman, who has just been sort of okay against good competition at Wake Forest. Uh, I'll take Florida in that instance right now. 
I'll tell you, man, I'm looking at the schedule right now, and I see a lot of wins there. So right? I don't, like, I'm not, I'm, this, this has been a, a, a bold Georgia pod, but I, I will accept that answer. I mean, uh, look, I, I'm, I think Georgia probably has more upside. That schedule for Florida is really manageable. He is Barrett Salee, and he has been relieved from the hot seat. Barrett, thank you very much. Yeah, boys.